everybody. Welcome back to the Multi-Useiverse Podcast. My name is Gar Punnett, Chief Strategy Officer here at Reaply. In today's episode, we got to talk to Amanda Jordan, who is the Circular Economy Project Manager for the City of Phoenix. I've known her for a very long time. She's been an inspiration since. Um, we got to catch up and talk about more about the work that she did um, while at Arizona State, as well as now what they're focusing on at the City of Phoenix when it comes to circular economy. In many ways, the city of Phoenix is the playbook for how cities should be thinking about either their mitigation or resiliency strategies for either climate change or zero waste slash waste management practices. It's a great episode. She just runs us through, again, the playbook from start to finish on how one can research, create solutions, and scale those solutions at the municipal level. Thanks so much. See you soon. Hey, Amanda, thanks so much for joining us today on the Multi-Useiverse podcast. Would you go ahead and introduce yourself to the audience so that we can start to kick off and talk about all the amazing work that you've been doing? Sure. Thanks, Gar. Uh, my name is Amanda Jordan. I am the Circular Economy Project Manager here for the City of Phoenix. So in my position, I work across the Public Works Department and our Community and Economic Development Department um, to find the synergies across the two divisions, most specifically, how can I tap into economic development tools and strategies tied to business attraction, retention, expansion, um, as a means to either attract new circular economy businesses to the Phoenix area or help those already here expand into circular economy and in turn um, support public works waste diversion goals of 50% uh, waste diversion by 2030 and zero waste by 2050. So yeah, that's me. Those are excellent goals. What makes Phoenix such a hotbed for innovation and sort of circular economy? Why why do we find so many projects are, are in Phoenix? Um, why is there so many opportunities uh, for either entrepreneurs to start things in Phoenix or uh, just really advancement of circular economy theory and practice? Yeah, great question. So Phoenix is very unique as a municipality in that we own all of our facilities. So all of the transfer stations, material recovery facilities, compost facility, and a landfill. And because of that, we can get really creative uh, in terms of how we want to uh, divert from landfill and create local end markets tied to circular economy. So more specifically, um, typically when you put your recyclables into the bin and they're picked up by uh, an entity, a waste hauler, um, they own the waste at that point and thereby own all the data and the opportunities around it. Phoenix, because we own all of our facilities, we get to own the waste and in turn can find opportunities to engage with um, startups or maybe more established businesses to offer them the opportunity to take our waste as feedstock and use it for manufacturing purposes to find these new solutions and create this circular economy in the area. I don't think uh, even even you saying that it is highlighting and, and I'm starting to remember how amazed I was at that when I started as a grad student at Arizona State, when I learned that that really can become the catalyst for innovation when uh, typically, to explain this to others, again, to highlight how important this is, is the ownership of that feedstock, whether it be the plastics, uh, metals, whatever it might be coming out of what's known as a MRF, um, or a material recovery facility, for those that are new to that term, um, 
that it's that feedstock then that's proprietary. And so that's what's so helpful to say, hey, actually, we can divert some of this out for use of some sort of innovative new model to try something new. And that's where you then you can get uh, the innovation, typically not found in, again, other communities. I'm highlighting what you've already said, but just to double down on that point of, yes. of how that is the value, is, is finding that feedstock and being able to innovate on that feedstock, which, again, just... I don't think people maybe understand how proprietary it is, but not only is it hard to get your hands on maybe that feedstock to try to innovate on it, it's even harder sometimes to work with some of the companies that own that feedstock, some large recyclers or managers of, of waste that um, it, even knowing how to engage in the contracts or knowing how to intercept and create a better model is very complicated. Um, and you actually have to break legal agreements. You have to then try to convince um, a, a first client that, hey, uh, this is what I want to try with your company. They might actually be bound by sort of, again, a legal agreement to not give you that waste product. Um, and so it's huge that Phoenix can provide those opportunities by the innovative model that they've produced, which is owning um, that, that recovery facility. That's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. It's awesome. So we get to do a lot of, a lot of fun stuff here in Phoenix. Um, you know, some of our, our big name projects that most would probably be familiar with um, tap into what we call our resource innovation campus, which is essentially the concept of a sustainable business park, but circular economy business parks. So we have um, two transfer stations here in the city. Um, our Southern transfer station has 40 acres of land that has been allocated for this campus uh, with the intent of attracting these circular businesses to either, you know, rent offices or lease space within the physical campus building or to lease directly on the land um, for those that are maybe further along and not, not as early stage. And so we purposely located it next to the transfer stations to, you know, build upon the, the opportunity to just kind of essentially walk over, pull out some plastic bales and bring it back over to your office to test out some stuff. If anybody has that opportunity, somehow they're passing through the Phoenix area. Um, please reach out. Um, it's it's something too that's it's really cool to see because you, you start to you as you make your way to just the the material recovery facility, you get to see some projects along the way that are that are pretty cool. Um, whether again yeah. it's something to do with composting or something to do with uh, other experimental uses of of these uh, sort of end products um, or feedstocks, it's uh, it's pretty cool to see and, and be a part of that. Um, so how did you know really when it comes down to it, what can you tell us about how these decisions get made at the municipal level um, where uh, we really start to get into the, the vision of what we mm -hmm. know um, our future should be and how we start to build slowly but surely the blocks needed to make sure that vision can happen. And it started with maybe owning a material cover facility, but how does something like that actually happen at the city level? Yeah, great question. So um, it's, you know, the typical approval process you'd see at, at the city level in terms of engaging mayor and city council to to buy into what you're trying to do and, and signing off and creating an ordinance. Um, so historically here in Phoenix, our endeavors into circular economy uh, first began with our former mayor, Mayor Greg Stanton, who had been, you know, elected into office and sustainability was, was a core tenet of what he was pushing forward on um, at that time. I think this was around 2011, 2012. Um, he had engaged with Arizona State University, which is, you know, one of the big local universities here 
and that houses the first school of sustainability and knowing we had that in our backyard he tapped into the resources at asu to kind of do some assessments around you know what's happening across phoenix simultaneously he read the book uh, bird on fire which named phoenix as the least sustainable city on the planet so he was very keen to to change that uh, reputation and so two big things came out of that initial engagement uh, which included a uh, greenhouse gas emissions inventory assessment and a waste characterization assessment and so from the waste characterization assessment we were able to see what materials are coming through our facilities that have value and could be repurposed and given new life additionally we we learned of um the fact that you know the public works trucks that are transporting from transfer station to landfill every day um, are pretty big ghg emitters unfortunately and so we were very keen to to curb that and how do we prevent them from going out to our landfill in the first place um, for reference our landfill is 50 miles outside of city center so it's mm. about hour and 15 minute one-way drive and the trucks do each truck does four trips a day on average uh, so it's a lot of mileage um, a lot of you know air quality issues tied to that and so from there a couple different um, initiatives spun out including reimagine phoenix which was our initiative to reach 40 percent diversion by 2020 and our sister program tied to that which was the resource innovation and solutions network and in turn the incubator component uh, tied to that and so each time we wanted to launch on these different initiatives we had to go to city council and uh, get their buy-in to, to launch these uh, strategic partnerships and really start moving the needle on this work. And so we've been fortunate in that um, since uh, Mayor Stanton's departure, we now have Mayor Kate Gallego, who is also very keen on sustainability, uh, green jobs, green infrastructure, circular economy. Um, she's another great champion. And so I think Phoenix has been very fortunate in that we have these top-down leaders who are bought into you know, doing good for the sake of good, um, and wanting to, to kind of shift how things are, are typically done. So, yeah. I love that as, again, the playbook of change. I mean, really, again, <laughs> starting at the level of understanding, okay, this is our state. Um, and uh, I think there's so much power in just recognizing the state of where we are. Um, and it's, it, it's the power in recognizing again, okay, this is our current state, but it doesn't have to be our future state. And how are we going to start taking these steps across either the academic levels that um, a city like Phoenix has uh, to inspire change, the business infrastructure as well to inspire change, and then the government level, again, to all work hand in hand. Um, mm -hmm. How do you think you know, and this is going to get a little Phoenix specific here, but again, uh, having a little bit of background into the identity of the city, how mm -hmm. do you think um, the the thoughts of the future have impacted the work that is being done? Um, climate change being very real um, and Phoenix being very hot as is. Do you see any yes. of that sort of play into this as saying, hey, this is what the work that we need to do as a mitigation strategy? Yeah, so that's definitely um, playing into a lot of the, the conversations happening now and, and developments uh, internally, whether it be um, strategic plans. So uh, our climate action plan was just uh, relaunched in October of last year, which calls out a lot of, of strategic uh, initiatives that we want to launch upon tied to waste, water, heat, air, um, air quality issues. Uh, additionally, we have established the first of its kind um, Office of Heat 
response and mitigation mm -hmm. and have hired on a director of that department. And so um, we are a desert city. It does get hot here. It's getting hotter and hotter every year. Um, that's the effects of climate change that we're feeling. And we're recognizing that and taking, taking efforts to ensure that we have uh, those divisions and that leadership in place to start, you know, that future planning component of, of how are we going to, you know, build new buildings that can withstand 120 degrees in July. Um, and so, so yeah, I think, I think that's kind of where we're seeing a lot of that come into play most frequently. I, I again, it, it speaks to not every city rises to the occasion. I, I believe like Phoenix has and, but it, it almost, again, you all are the vanguards for saying, hey, this is the change that we need to see happen because too many other cities in the United States still have this luxury of maybe not feeling things um, as much as Phoenix does. Um, and, and so I think that's, that's what's really cool to see, that if there's anybody listening from the city um, somewhere in, in the United States that take a look at that playbook again because it, it really does mean that you know maybe other cities have a little bit more time than, than some um, to really begin their mitigation and and really almost uh, resiliency strategy in that in that capacity. Um, yeah. Now onto the projects that that you've worked on. Um, can we talk a little bit about how to incubate a circular economy uh, program and understanding, and then education that then can translate into business innovation. I know you've had a, a unique hand in both the education of either students um, or, or programs, but then also sort of how do we build the, the programming needed to support circular economy business growth? Yeah, great question. So um, prior to joining the city, I was part of the Rob and Melanie Walton Sustainability Solutions Service, which is um, housed out of Arizona State University. Um, it, yeah, go Devils. Um, it is essentially the external facing consulting firm that takes the work, the research happening within the university and finds ways to scale it out into the real world via public and private sector partners. And so most specifically, I worked within the circular economy space and initiatives under the, the uh, resource innovation and solutions network division or risen. Um, I'm going to call it risen from this point on because it's Thank a you mouthful. For that. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and so um, risen itself had launched uh, in 2014 and by 2015-2016, there was a, uh, a demonstrated need to launch a business incubation component. And so in 2016, approval and funding was given to start the Risen Incubator. And so funding from that came from divisions within ASU, the City of Phoenix, and uh, the U.S. Economic Development Administration. And so from there, uh, we had launched the first circular economy business incubator in the United States. Um, which was very exciting. Um, and our first co cohort kicked off in mid 2017. And so um, we had some big wins and we had some struggles. It was definitely a learning experience in that at the time, circular economy was still pretty new term here in the US. And so when trying to get circular economy businesses specifically to come into the program, it got to be pretty difficult because businesses weren't labeling themselves as such. And so we really had to be strategic in, in our recruitment efforts. Um, once we were able to, to find some of those businesses in that space and get them into the program, we had to be really creative around 
the program offerings. Um, so under our EDA grant, um, we were not able to provide funding. So we couldn't mm. do things like a pitch competition. Right. So we had to find other support avenues uh, for helping these entrepreneurs find funding. So we worked with them to apply for different grants, um, different um, challenges or competitions not tied to Risen Incubator that they could compete in and, and win funding money, seed money. Um, Additionally, we had um, access to the labs uh, at the university, so it gave them an opportunity to do a lot of that R&D and pilot testing. Um, pilot testing also came into play from the city side, so because of the opportunities that Phoenix has around um, you know, owning and operating facilities, uh, we were able to let some of these entrepreneurs in the program pilot test um, out at the at the location and and as such that helped to inform the types of RFPs that the city would later issue. Often more um, valuable, yeah. Often more valuable than any money um, is just yes. the ability to test and pilot and yeah. reiterate. So yes, yes, exactly. And so um, so in terms of the education component, uh, we. We kind of had to start from scratch a bit. Um, you know, at the time, we uh, Risen uh, Walton team specifically was part of or is part of the Ellen MacArthur Foundation um, CE100, as is City of Phoenix. And so we were fortunate in that because we were tied into that network, we could tap into some of the resources and educational components that were already established um, and translate them from a European perspective into more of a US perspective. Um, and so from there, we could really plug and play with what we were trying to teach these entrepreneurs as they're coming through. And even still, we found that a lot of times they still wanted some of that traditional learnings around how to put together a marketing plan right. or how to get a mentor, you know, kind of those things that you see across these types of programs. Um, and then, of course, plugging in. You know, how do we uh, design for circularity? How do you transition from selling a product to creating a service model so that you're not creating waste or not needing to to replace items. And so um, it was definitely a little bit of a learning curve, but in the end we were able to incubate 19 different companies um, and it was a really great program. And it's something that, um, you know, from, from both sides, uh, we're kind of exploring how do we reactivate opportunities around incubation acceleration, especially because, you know, that program, the EDA funding had concluded December 31st, 2019. Um, so early 2020, uh, we were kind of reevaluating what the program could look like. And of course, with COVID-19, um, kind of rocked the world as we all know. And so, um, we're now kind of opening up those discussions again of, of what these types of programs could look like. And, in just that short time, right, what's been maybe three years, uh, the influx of businesses and circular economy is astronomical. Um, yeah. I don't think anybody would have issues recruiting businesses at this point to that type of program. So um, it's been fun to kind of be at the beginning stages and now in this kind of more established frame of mind. Well, then that leads kind of into more of the work that Phoenix is doing. Um, and can you speak a little bit about how the work that you are, you are now pursuing is maturing sort of the circular conversation even more within the city's work? Um, can you speak a little bit more about what y'all are up to, um, whether it's focusing again more on the recycling and diversion rates or thinking more through reuse or supporting, again, more community efforts around circular economy? 
Yeah, definitely. So um, as I mentioned, we relaunched our climate action plan um, in the fall. And in that plan, it does have a specific section tied to waste diversion and uh, circular economy efforts. And so from there, a lot of the goals set are tied to 2030. So we have, you know, sometime, but not really, right, at the rate that municipalities tend to move on things. Um, and the climate action plan, which was led by our Office of Environmental Programs here at the city, um, I guess I should mention that uh, Phoenix is, is great and that we do have a lot of these different divisions that tap into the different aspects of sustainability as a whole um, and have a lot of you know, overlap and synergies. And so we have our Office of Environmental Programs, which leads on basically everything except waste, which falls under public works. Um, and so from there, there's been, you know, some somewhat aggressive target set in terms of uh, the resource innovation campus I mentioned. Um, it has been called out in our plan that we get that campus up and running and activated by 2030. And so that is my, my core project right now. How do I get this space activated? Because it is currently still uh, an undeveloped dirt lot. And so... Um, we have engaged with C40 cities. So Mayor Kit Gallego uh, is one of two US mayors in the C40 network. She also sits on the steering committee. And so wow. um, an opportunity, yeah, yeah, it's very exciting. She joined in 2020. Um, and so through C40, they have an opportunity called the Reinventing Cities Competition. And so we have submitted the Resource Innovation Campus into the competition. And from there, C40 essentially runs an international RFP process. So they solicit, you know, developers who are interested in helping us create this campus um, in, a, in a sustainable way. So, you know, carbon neutral, net emissions, renewable energy, uh, heat adaptation infrastructure, all of those those you know, buzzwords and, and, you know, prominent, important things tied to climate change effects. Um, and from there, we're hoping to get that facility um, up and running, ideally, end of next year. Simultaneously, we're also currently uh, renovating our, one of our two MRFs, mm. um, the MRF that is next to the RIC. Uh, RIC is the Resource Innovation Campus. Uh, I may switch back and forth between the terminologies. Please, so. this will help anybody just listening. FYI. Yeah, it will help anybody listening. Just Google this and figure this out too. So yeah. yes, okay, good. I try not to use acronyms too much. I know not everyone knows what I'm talking about. Um, and so the MRF is being renovated and will come back online. Uh, I, I believe right now the timeline is summer 2023. So both of these facilities will be coming back online around the same time, the MRF will now be upgraded and include a lot of, of these new technologies in terms of opticals, robotics, all of that great stuff, um, which will then hopefully uh, increase the diversion and uh, sortation of materials in a way that can you know, help to uh, accelerate the businesses that will be located on the RIC. So those are kind of the big two big things. And then additionally, uh, with the launch of the Climate Action Plan, we are now on the public work side, um, putting together our zero waste 2050 strategic plan for the city as well, which we're hoping to, to put out um, very soon. Excellent. And so, um, yeah, I think, I think it's just kind of the stars have aligned and it's been good timing here in Phoenix and there's a lot of momentum and things building off each other and, and it's an exciting time. Well, I think that's the, the call to action to anybody looking for the right environment to scale any circular economy idea into a business is Phoenix might be the place to start. Um, what can you, you know, how does a city sort of approach 
um, reuse. Reuse being so critical here at, at Reapley. Um, how do you all think about it in terms of its key components into uh, the circular picture? Yeah, great question. So reuse is something we're having a lot of internal discussions on now, especially as we're currently writing the the, the Zero Waste 2050 strategic plan, um, thinking through what, what would it actually look like to have some sort of reuse system within the city. So for those who aren't familiar, Phoenix is very large. We're about 520 square miles. We are a spread out city. There's 1.6 million people within Phoenix proper. That doesn't include the whole metro area, which I think bumps it up to almost 3 million. Um, so knowing that we're so spread out, how do we how do we establish these systems in a way that won't create more work for drivers per se, or won't lead to more you know GHG emissions because additional pickup routes are happening? And so um, we're definitely exploring what are some opportunities that we could potentially pilot. Uh, perhaps in specific downtown area near city hall and kind of where a lot of, um, of the core businesses are. Um, I believe, don't quote me on this. I believe there are some regulations in place at the County level where we sit in terms of reuse when it comes to like food or beverage. So oftentimes if you try to bring a reusable container into, you know, a Starbucks, um, they may not, fill it for you due to, to health codes. Um, so thinking through how do we navigate around that if we're looking at reuse in terms of food and beverage. Um, but I think we're more so leaning into to outside of that space, kind of tapping into to, uh, more of what Reapley's doing. How do you set up a business, business exchange model for products to be reused or repurposed or uh, given an opportunity to be used in the first place? Because uh, um, as you know, sometimes uh, construction is a big industry right. here, right? And oftentimes people overorder things. And then what do you do with all this extra material that you can't get rid of, or maybe don't care to really try to find a new avenue for? Um, so how do we set up those opportunities is, is definitely something at the forefront of our minds, particularly as we're getting ready to have the RIC um, officially become a physical building that people can come in and, and work out of and engage with. So well, even again, as you said, even more important for cities that are very popular and growing at a large sort of increasing rates um, like Phoenix, yeah. like Austin, like yeah. Atlanta or Charlotte, all of those cities that people are like, oh, I could go live here and it's lovely here most of the year. Yeah. Um, uh, well, how would you what's the call to action now as we round this out? I mean, what would you say to to those listening um, to those who will watch videos here on how, what should they be thinking about in terms of engaging more circular action? Um, how should we be sort of mobilizing as citizens in engaging in our communities or engaging with Phoenix? Yeah, um, engaging with Phoenix, email me, amanda.jordan at phoenix.gov. Um, I love chatting with anyone, entrepreneurs or other municipalities, um, sharing best practices and knowledge. Um, I guess I want to preface with everything that we do here is voluntary. So unlike a, a California where a lot of things are being mandated, we don't have the policy levers to back up what we're doing. We're doing this all because we want to, um, or because our citizens are, are asking for it. And so, and then probably um, inserting think, that real quickly because it makes business sense sometimes. Exactly, like, yes. right. Makes business sense. It's good for the people, good for the planet. Um, and so, in terms of engaging at, at the local level from a city perspective, from other cities, I think um, don't be afraid to get creative and don't try to reinvent the wheel, right? A lot of cities out there 
Austin, for example, they're doing awesome work in the space of circular economy. They have a lot of programs and tools that, uh, that have already been established. So, you know, take a look at those things and what aspects or components could you replicate in your own city, um, whether it's a pitch competition or a reuse model for exchanging items or um, things of that nature. Um, I think oftentimes it can be overwhelming to try to, to get these things off the ground. So, you know, take a look what's out there and see what makes sense for your city or even your business. Um, and in terms of maybe entrepreneur capacity, I think, um, you know, a lot of times they're, they're looking for funding, right? So how do you find those opportunities around funding? Um, fortunately, there's tons of grants out there now via different entities, um, recycling partnership, closed loop, all of those great figures. But then we're also seeing some stuff coming through from the federal level. So we have the um, IIJA, which I believe is the Investment Infrastructure and Jobs Act, which has Excellent. lots of funding tied to it um, around, you know, the space of um, electric vehicles, yes. renewable energy. There's a lot of opportunities there. And uh, since it was signed off in November uh, by President Biden, um, the entities or the departments that lead the different funding tied to the IIJA, I think have 180 days to get these programs launched. So those are going to be launching soon. Um, so I would say, you know, keep an eye on the trends, keep an eye on what's happening at the different levels. Um, there's more available and more going on than you might realize. And there's a lot of opportunities out there these days. So it's exciting times. I love that as always, uh, a wealth of knowledge. Thank you, Amanda. Um, <laughs> I think your key point there of, of don't reinvent the wheel, I take to heart sometimes on that because it's, it's all about, hey, how do you take the system as is and innovate mm -hmm. within, um, create a program and a structure, an idea that can add to not restart something that someone at the city has done. Um, and that yes. will be the best way that you can really add any movement or traction to your idea. Um, it's so easy for people to poke and, and, and tear down when it's like, no, 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 this is set up for a reason. Go use the structure. And if you use yeah. the structure, the city's going to embrace you. Um, uh, guaranteed yeah. there's someone that's in, in a department that's like, oh my gosh, there's this new company that's starting and they just reached out. And so um, I, I highly recommend that, whether it's in Phoenix or elsewhere. Um, thank you for all the time uh, today. Yeah. Um, it was uh, it was great seeing you again. Yeah, nice chatting. Thanks, Garth.